0: I don't know about you, but I'm buzzing my flipping head off about Man United right now. It's good again, isn't it? it it's so good it's that even Gary Neville has uh, decided to get behind the team. <laughs> well, I mean, he was behind the team already in a way. Just uh, you know. Anyway, let's. I don't. Let's not harsh the mellow by talking about Gary Neville, who maybe is unbanned from the rank cast, but I'm not. I'm not sure about that yet. Um. The Reading game. It's not been a good few weeks for United related pundits, has it?
1: We'll come on to some (laughs) of that. No.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, It has been a good few weeks for United related players and staff. Um, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer's managerial idol is clearly Alex Ferguson because that third round performance against Reading was the most Fergie thing I've seen at Old Trafford since May 2013. Well, made lots of changes, which I
1: I don't think too many people would be um, uh, sad about, uh, and won the game comfortably enough. Just about
0: thoroughly disjointed, awful performance, absolutely awful performance. Um, But uh, you know, clearly a level of quality above rolled the tombo, and he he played all the fringe players like Alexis Sanchez. So, what could you expect? Um, Then, young kid on the block, then he he might be all right. This Sanchez, probably not. Do you think so? Uh, I think he's bobbins. To be fair, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Destined he's gone, for right, a career, career in the
1: championship alongside Luke Chadwick <laughs> and Terry Cook.
0: Um, a, a young player who came on, um, in that game and is definitely worth talking about is Tahith Chong. Then put in an excellent performance in the under 23s in midweek after his debut. Um, that's a kid with a, an awful lot of talent, and you know, didn't particularly have much to do um, against Reading, but. It's going to be interesting to see if he gets any more cameos, although the uh, cameo-suitable games are probably slightly running out now.
1: Well, especially with uh, Arsenal to come in the FA Cup, away from home as well, so not too many games that don't really count for much. Uh, uh, Perhaps uh, a few players
0: heading out on loan as a result, perhaps, maybe. Oh, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. But we're here to talk about the main event, the feel-good moment of the season. Um so there's this video which um uh at dips MUFC on Instagram. Lots of you will, who travel with United will will know Dips, but she posted this video of the Ollie song, the the Stone Roses waterfall song. That is, you know, the song of the moment, obviously. And after the how good does it feel? Some geezer just shouts out, it feels that every- <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't bleep himself obviously um but that moment I genuinely got goosebumps when I heard that for the first time because like that guy is all of us uh yeah well i mean it's it's
1: not just that uh United are playing well and it's great it's it's what came before it isn't it You know, this is only six games, and of course, we can be a bit more uh, rational in our analysis and say it's only six games. But after five years of absolute bobbins football and two under Jose Mourinho, of feeling like the soul was being sucked out of your body, uh, I I mean, I was saying uh, on the Rankcast WhatsApp group during the game. Um, I was feeling anxious about the game for the first time in forever. I was desperate for United to win. Not that I didn't want United to win before, but there's just something about hating football with uh,
0: Jose Mourinho in charge that takes the edge off it no longer. I just couldn't agree more. This was by far the most emotionally invested I've been in a football match since Stockholm. And really a lot of Stockholm for me, because I didn't go, a lot of Stockholm for me was about the fact that um, just professionally I was covering United a lot of the time and having to spend the summer dealing with United not having Champions League football the next season would have been horrible so it felt like I had a massive bet on the game um but but this this was pure there's no there's no ulterior motive there this is just I want Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United to win this game of football so let's um Let's talk about the game. What did he get right? What did he get wrong? What, what did we do well? What did we learn? All the all the good questions. Yeah, well, I mean, coming into the game, the
1: criticism, if if there's any criticism or the question mark, was could he do it against a, a decent team? Because United had played a bunch of teams towards the bottom end of the, the Premier League and Reading in the FA Cup and and everyone was waiting for him to be out of thoughts by Pochettino, the great new manager on the block. Uh, and that wasn't so actually. The manager who sprung the big tactical surprise was Ollie, who came up with something, you know, extremely innovative. He'd played straight four three three in every other game, and here he's played Rashford and Martial as sort of wide inside forwards, and Jesse Lingard as a false nine. I mean, who who saw that coming? I didn't see that coming. Um, and uh, uh, you know, and some very astute analysis of that by um, former Red Darren Fletcher on Match of the Day. I thought, um, and. You know, by the pundits during the game, I guess you know fairly obvious there. But uh, you know, he's he's obviously seen Tottenham's biggest weakness in that they push their fullbacks on and push their central defenders wide, and and he's he's basically put the you know Alderweireld um, and Vertonghen in an extremely uncomfortable position, having to defend against pacey attackers running with the ball um and just gone gone for the juggler straight at Tottenham's weakest point. And and the contrast with what would have happened, and I know we're not gonna mention his name, but what would have happened uh with the former incumbent of this position, it just couldn't be Starker, could it? Because uh here United would have uh gone to Wembley and, and tried to uh try to play out a nil nil draw and and Olly being Olly and being the Fergie disciple as you know gone for it big time, and taken a huge gamble, of course, because what he did in in playing that that formation is gambled that United wouldn't lose the midfield battle um and and to be fair for the last half an hour of the game, United did lose the midfield battle and, and Pochettino adjusted uh but you know big big praise for Oli for his you know his setup up and uh and how he went for it
0: i mean it was just like. Uh, you, you, you're right I, I I really don't want to be boring about this but you can't think about this game without without it being such a stark contrast um friend of the show Simon Stevens was in the away end and said that the last away end he'd been in was the West Ham one and the difference in atmosphere was you know obviously it was like as marked as could be at that point but but the the difference between sort of identifying the opposition's team's weakness and try and exploit it rather than identify their strengths and try and negate it as the sort of fundamental philosophical underpinning of your approach makes so much sense, as we've said over and over again with the squad that we've got now. There's no question that Solskjaer got fortunate on two fronts in order to get the win. This game, more than any other game, reminded me of the Champions League final of 2008. I thought we were massively on the front foot and and the better side in the first half. And and not that there was a tremendous amount in it, but I, I thought we'd fashioned slightly the better, better chances. Actually, if you look at the XG, almost identical for the first half. It's only really in in that last half an hour Tottenham were creating and we were really on the back foot that that separation occurred and obviously we were 1-0 up by that point. I mean we should talk about the goal um, a mistake in, in midfield from Spurs but this was the World Cup final all over again. This was Pogba to Mbappe only instead it was Pogba to Rashford who's obviously better than Kylian Mbappe um, Obviously. And well I think yeah. on the basis of this game he's he's definitely better than Harry Kane <laughs> <laughs> and and of course, this was one of the arenas in which uh, I said he got fortunate in two two arenas. One, David de Gea played excellently. Uh, you know, the idea that they were all straight at him is is just obvious nonsense. But but also Tottenham were not quite at it in the very cutting edge last final because there were definitely opportunities to put the ball in a place where David De Gea simply could not have saved it and they weren't taken. Right, take yeah. Um, I mean, I
1: for all Spurs' 23 attempts, Spurs' XG is is just under two. Um, and I, I'm not sure that I actually really I think it's one of those occasions where it doesn't really tell the full extent, uh, tell the full story to, to its full extent. I'm mumbling my words, words there, but... Um, because you know, some of those chances felt like better chances than that for the quality of player that Spurs have. Um, there, there was obviously a very good, pretty good chance for Harry Winks early in the game from sort of the inside left channel. Um, he's neither shot nor crossed. Uh, very good chances for Harry Kane and Deli uh in the second half. Very, very good chances, I think, and obviously a couple of free kicks that went pretty close. Um, uh, the Alderweireld flick at the near post you know so perhaps uh, two really big chances and four or five very good ones um, yeah and when you put it like that it feels like that should add up to more than 1.86 xg um, but uh, but it didn't exactly so yeah fortune for for United there I guess that Spurs uh, weren't sharper finishing it's definitely not fortunate that United have got a play of David Hayes' class. I mean, you know, I, n- no. I never quite understood that argument. Is it lucky if you've got a player of Ronaldo's class? No. I mean, you know. No. Um, but, but United earned that luck, I think, with a really good first-half performance. You know, yeah. Really, really good. And and let's not forget, you know, apart from the goal, United also had some, you know, um, good chances too. There's a Pogba header, the Pogba long-range shot that took a clip off the heels of, of I think, Winks again.
0: Um there was there was the one which I don't even know if it will register as a shot on XG when um, when the ball came to Lingard in the six yard box and he got kind of caught in two right. minds and that was that was a superb opportunity to do something that was fairly early in the game in that spell where United you know, were right on top. Yeah, I mean those sort of half chances. One yeah, one where Lingard's
1: lashed it. Wide. I mean, it's almost gone out for a throw-in, hasn't it? So might not register. And then the other one where um, Rashford's gone down the sort of inside left channel and should have pulled it back for Lingard. I mean, it was such an obvious ball to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he didn't. Um, But but look, this is this is uh, in a system that was uh, uh, designed to play with pace and movement. It's not like United were. Um, sitting there deep with a low block and trying to spring out, but they did uh, want to be able to put Vertonghen and Aldevarald under a lot of pressure and exploit their space because Trippier and Davies get forward a lot and sometimes in pairs, um, and and there is space behind those two fullbacks. And you know, Solskjaer and his team identified that, and and United figured that they were going to outscore the opposition. You know, <laughs> which they, which did. they did, and and for uh, a game with you know, so United had fourteen chances, Spurs twenty three. So, you know, near enough forty chances in the game. There, uh, it was a hell of a lot more exciting than a one nil, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> it was. I mean, it was. It was a pretty thrill, especially the first half was a pretty thrilling. Game. The second half was a bit like watching, especially the last half an hour. Actually, the first fifteen minutes of the second half, United were fine. It was just that last half an hour when, which I actually don't think is a reflection on United hardly at all. I mean, the one way I guess it is is that we've got a problem in the kind of central defensive hub, both in terms of literally the central defenders and the and Matic, You know, yeah. that, that's fine. We we don't need to do this again. No. We've literally but done I think it actually, but it's
1: credit to Pochettino here because he switched the formation around from those sort of. Four Four, three, one, two to a forty-three-one, and got an extra body yeah. in midfield, and they did win the midfield battle. Then and they just monopolised possession, and United found it hard to do what they were doing before, and they didn't push the full-backs forward nearly as much. Um, and yeah. and that might seem less attacking, but actually it was more attacking because they they got control of the. Uh, the area of the pitch where United were breaking from, uh, and so credit to Pochettino. Then it took uh, uh, Solskjaer a little while to adjust to that. I thought, um, and by the by the time you, you know he started making changes, actually at that point they they made a reasonably sensible decision to try and close out the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and um, the, Solskjaer's tactical decision right from the off. I mean. This is the kind of stuff, like obviously, we can't talk about this game without talking about the great, you know, the great what ifs of the future. And, and I would still maintain that we are, no one has enough data to say what they should do, really. But this is just us talking about United and we like them. So we're allowed to say whatever the heck we like because we don't have to make any decisions. But. At the end of this game, I'm, I am a fully paid up part of the problem. Like I'm getting Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's name tattooed on my arm and, and like United manager for life. Like I, I have absolutely no interest in anyone other than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being United's manager at this point. Um, and, and this is in part because of something we'll come on to talk about even a little more, which is the feel-good factor, which is not a small thing. It is literally the whole point of the whole thing in fact, I forget talking about it later, I'm going to talk about it now, that s- watching, like, the full-time Devils fan cams after the game and just, like, the whole thing takes place in this cacophony of the waterfall song being sung just behind where they're doing it the whole time, the atmosphere is absolutely incredible. And, yeah, we've won six games on the bounce, but we've won six games on the bounce under other... Man- like, Mourinho won six games on the well, bounce. Nine, I won and, one point. Yeah, yeah right exactly and the atmosphere never got close never got close to this and and so it's a really special meaningful beautiful thing so that feel-good factor that we've got that that's cast in stone we know that Oleg Gunnar Solskjaer is the living embodiment of the feel-good factor So what you're looking for then, people often say like, oh, is it, you know, if we get Champions League football or if we win this or this result, that result. For me, like the only thing that I'm going by is intangibles and, um, and kind of gut feeling more or less about stuff which is tangible, which is stuff like, what's he like tactically? Like, what level of sophistication does he have to bring his kind of influence to bear at a really high level as a really high level football manager? And this game was a fantastic representation that whatever else, whether he gets it right or wrong, he's definitely got stuff about him as a a creative thinker about football, as someone who's going to look at the pieces, look at the opposition, look at our strengths and put together a system that you wouldn't. I mean, the decision to play Jesse Lingard as a false nine in that game is Absolutely revolutionary. Like, it's, it's an extraordinary decision. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a brilliant decision. Like, it's amazing. I'm saying it's extraordinary in the sense that it's such a surprising, remarkable thing to do. Yeah,
1: it is, and, and uh, demonstrates a level of confidence in his own abilities that one might not expect of a young manager who's never had a really big job before, has failed at his only previous attempt, uh, managing in england uh and he's only the interim in in Wales in- sorry in where, Wales so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh in the english premier League uh, uh-huh. and, uh, and 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 he's only interim right, so might be expected to to make some more conservative choices, or oh, maybe he feels like he 's got a free hit now uh, it, It'll be interesting to see if later in the season if it's really going well still um whether he continues to make those really bold decisions but yeah i agree look it's you know um on paper it looks like a, a, a straight up matching of tottenham system but it definitely wasn't that it was they were they definitely played in a different way than spurs were and and it was set up to exploit to the maximum amount possible uh spurs weakness with the trade off that he might expose United's weaknesses you know and uh, uh, and of course that's a decision that's the polar opposite and we've talked about this before polar opposite of the previous uh, manager um, look in in terms of the future well we've got time uh, and United buying themselves time uh, with Ollie it it seems uh, that Pochettino is still the number one choice and this the result on Sunday shouldn't make any difference to how United think about it i hope I hope they're being strategic about it and you know working through the best choices for the club, um, and you know of course emotionally people are invested with Oli because he's a club hero and he really gets the club and and it's been great for the first six games. First six games don't win United the Premier League again, which is where we want to get back to, or the Champions League, of course. And if Oli is not that man, and Pochettino is, then they should make the right decision and appoint Pochettino. Um, I'm a bit more worried about some of the other names reportedly on the shortlist because some of them aren't that at all. And there's a lot of very different flavours there. You know, a lot of press coverage of perhaps Diego Simeone being on their shortlist as well. That might just be United sounding out every possible option um, and it getting leaked to the press. You know, who who knows? But yeah, you know, Simeone also, couldn't of- be more different. You know, he's he's more in the Mourinho camp. Very successful.
0: but. Part- Part of the dance, isn't part, it? With, part of the if dance. they are going for Pochettino, it's part, part of the dance. dance. I mean, obviously, like Solskjaer, there's no dance needed. No. There's it's seven million for, for to Mulder, and, and, that's and he'll take the job in a heartbeat. Of course, yeah, yeah and, yeah, and lots
1: of discussion before this game, of course, about Pochettino as you as as you'd expect in the build up, and and uh, some papers taking diametrically opposed decisions. So the the Times has always been in the camp that Pochettino wanted to be considered for the job. You know, would seriously consider it. He's not saying he'd definitely take it, um, but, it, you know, expects to have a an elite job at some point in his career and doesn't really think the stability at Real Madrid would suit what he wants to achieve. So, um, but that's not where everyone is. So um, it's kind of interesting, that narrative. I don't know whether they have a better inside track on Pochettino than others or are just being harder with their line. Um but he's not going to get offered the job in January or February or March, you know. And, and in fact, I'm quite sure if Spurs are still in the running for anything, um, you know, he's going to keep it very close to his chest for a long time. Um, and, and with well, every single game, Oli you know, gets, gets another opportunity to get that job, doesn't he? You know, every time United put in a performance like the one on Sunday, he's a little bit closer.
0: W, 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 Brighton at home on Saturday. Listen, who knows what's gonna happen, but the way we're playing, the way things are going, this is this is a very popular letter of the alphabet at the moment. The um th- there's something about the football that I want to talk about as well, which is and another like fairly bold Sarsha decision is like Marcus Rashford is ahead of Romelu Lukaku in the pecking order at centre-forward now. that's There's just no question about that. And there's absolutely no way that would have happened at M- under Mourinho. And it's absolutely... It would only have happened under Mourinho to make some weird twisted point. Like, it, it's absolutely right at the moment. Like, I, as I've said so many times, I really like Romelu Lukaku. And um, I was buzzing when I saw that his name wasn't on the team sheet, not because I hate him or because I think he's rubbish, but because of what it says about how prepared to be bold Solskjaer is and and, and how he's, you know, just the simple fact of picking a player on form. <laughs> like it's, it's such a, you know, Lukaku scored a lot of goals recently. He's not in terrible form himself, but there's no, that goal that Rashford scored, like killing a massive Cross field pass at absolute breakneck speed, and then slotting it into the corner. Whilst you know, because the move there, I think what pretty much everyone in the ground thought was about to happen, including probably Larice, is that Rashford was going to cut back inside because there was a defender just about to get on him that he could have cut behind that defender and shot, but instead he took the shot first time in the far corner, and it, it, that's why it was a goal. Right, and he spent the week previous uh, doing
1: shooting practice with Oli Gunnar <laughs> Yeah, And, and, and yeah. maybe it's those details that really make a difference because we have seen timid finishing from Rashford. We've seen brilliant finishing from him in the past as well, but also some timid finishing. That was the the kind of finish that makes you believe that he can score 25, 30 goals a season and, and all that sort of brilliance up to the, the final moment can tra- translate into brilliance in the final moment as well. Um, And and that was a great finish from a very difficult position. And there's what a foot in which he can get that into the net. Lloris has got fingertips on it. He's an international goalkeeper, a very good goalkeeper and, and wasn't able to get there
0: and you know this is once again this argument that you'd hear over and over again which is it's not Jose Mourinho's fault that his strikers are missing chances and you're looking at this thinking it absolutely is Jose Mourinho's fault his strikers missing chances because this is about confidence like the thing Rashford did in the was it it wasn't the Cardiff game it was the Bournemouth game I think where he skinned the lad and then he skinned the other lad and he knocked the ball across the Pogba that the confidence to try that, then pull it off. And then the whole kind of uh, steamroller effect that this has all had, the fact that his place in the side is absolutely secure. Now um, means that he can take that shot first time, uh, you know, and an almost like slightly deliberate, one of those slightly deliberately, not perfectly clean finishes. So it rolls into the perfect place. That's a striker bang at the top of his game. And you don't do that unless you feel good about your abilities as a footballer.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think that's right. Mention for some of the other players who really perform well. Obviously, Pogba dominated that first half. Um, they kind of... Yeah, struggled,
0: struggled in the second, second half, half. Yeah,
1: probably. but, I mean, as I said, the Spurs were basically five against three in there in the, the second half. Um, uh, but, yeah, very good in that first half. And Herrera, immense. His numbers are huge. Uh, matic decent performance. I mean, he's got two or three interceptions there. Um uh, he was even sprinting back, I mean, in the way that Nemanja Matic can sprint back. Have you got Herrera's numbers in front of you, Ed? So h- here are some of uh, Anders' numbers. Ten ball recoveries, ten. Three That's clearances, amazing. two interceptions. Didn't win any defensive aerial duels. Slacking, slacking. <laughs> two chances created, six tackles, although not all of them successful, but he's, you know, he's always going to try putting in a reducer. Um, uh, I was actually looking up his uh, season defensive numbers, his defensive actions across all the the metrics. So interceptions, duels, clearances, recoveries, tackles, blocks. Um, And he's he's averaging about twice per 90 across those metrics that Matic does. He's obviously Mm. played fewer minutes than Matic has, but he's really, really high, you know, with the biggest names in the division. Uh for a player who doesn't really play in a
0: in a defensive midfield position, but he is a busy guy
1: you
0: know huh. he's um he he loves to put i mean you know there's also the off the scale number of times he's knocked opposition. Ah, oh, there was one bit really annoyed me in that game when they were trying to win spurs. When Trippier started on Martial for not kicking the ball out, when Sissoko Sissoko was injured, came back onto the pitch of his own volition when he could easily have stayed off the pitch. Spurs had the ball, didn't knock it out. And then when United were attacking, they were supposed to knock it out because he was limping a bit. Yeah, total nonsense. Uh, Anyway, we were talking
1: about players who uh, did well. Uh, Lindelof thought had another very good game. Uh, Jones didn't half make me nervous any time he got near the ball or the ball got near him. Um, yeah. especially with a lot of crosses coming in from the right-hand side. So, I mean, criticism sure. here. I don't think he was getting close enough to Trippier.
0: I don't think Luke Shaw is having a good season at he's all. Been a lot of minutes
1: and, you know, he's... Uh, I, I, look, I don't think he's making a lot of mistakes defensively. Uh, I think he could have cut out a few of those crosses by being closer. Um, he's not contributing nearly enough going forward. Uh, yeah, in terms of like, I don't think he's con- he's not contributing much going
0: forward. His numbers are zero no. basically. Yeah. yeah, and and he's not contributing much defensively either. And I, I'm I'm worried. I'm I think uh, if we massively upgraded our left back next season, whether that's through Luke Shaw rediscovering himself or getting a new one, I think we'd look a, a better side yeah, I'm, again. I'm, I'm thinking
1: right back and a central defender might be coming before that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, sure, yeah. absolutely, and that's and that's right and rightly so. I'm just saying, I, I, I I'm, he's, I'm on alert about Luke yeah, sure. Shaw. Yeah. I'm nervous. Uh, you know, anyway. don't,
1: don't don't spoil the uh, the good vibes here. Uh, and and we're <laughs> still talking about blaze had good games. We didn't even really mention David De Gea, eleven saves in that second half.
0: All right, let's talk about this straight at him thing. I have to say, there was only one or two. Well In fact, Solskjaer said, didn't he, there's only a couple of those saves that weren't saves you would expect him to make, which I think is fair. But a few things about that. One, eventually you don't make one of the saves you're expected to make. Normal goalkeepers don't because, you know, the sheer volume of numbers <laughs> you make a mistake possible. Secondly, like positioning, 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 right? There's just like there's a reason so many shots are straight at him. Yeah, and thirdly, Foster made
1: that point. On Twitter, although controversial, because he spelled
0: goalie G O A L L Y, and not L. I mean, that's, contra- mm. that's not that's not controversial, is it? It's just bad spelling. Because the thing is, if you're going to go with a Y, you don't need the double L. The double L is totally unnecessary. Um, anyway, there, there's that, and 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 there were a couple of saves in there where you're just looking at going. Pfft. Anyone else, you know. Anyone else, and that's that's a goal.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's uh, it, the amount he saves with his feet is sort of well known, I guess. Uh, but he and Solskjaer made a, uh, a kind of point in the press conference saying he could have caught a few of those. Uh, but he's just <laughs> he's just so quick. He's so quick, and uh, of twenty three shots it didn't ever look like they were going to beat him. Uh, there were a couple where i thought they were going to beat him
0: to well of course fair. they did beat him and,
1: um but uh, kane rightly rolled out offside
0: yeah yeah absolutely um oh, I forgot all about that i think i think i was watching that thinking that's not a goal at first like straight off so that was that was not too terrifying i, I mean i, I the got when the rashford's goal went in i just lost it I just completely like watching the game on my own on telly just completely lost it, like making ridiculous high pitched noises and stuff. Um,
1: one, one other thing to note: uh, c- kind of controversial incident involving Paul Pogba. Um, he's gone to protect the ball and ended up uh, clattering Delielli just above the knee studs first, yeah. which soonest lost the run of himself, uh, and uh, well, no, fully in the run of himself, and uh, suggested yeah, that Pogba say. should get a red card for that. Uh, well, I don't think so. I mean, I think that's accidental, but I, I suppose there's an interpretation that could say that as dangerous play.
0: Yeah, it's reckless, isn't it? Um, the uh, soonest criticizing people for that anyway. I, I genuinely never want to talk about soonest and Pogba again because it makes me feel physically sick when I hear him talk about him. Like genuinely, it makes me feel ill. Um, the uh, in. In kind of uh, other controversial Paul Pogba moments, Uh, nice of Ole to give the full troll to Jose Mourinho by taking Pogba off for McTominay as his injury (laughs) time substitution. (laughs) Hi, Jose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He did take off uh, an attacker for a defender, but then he played that defender at right wing, like legitimately, not like right wing back, not extra cover. Diogo Delo just playing straight up right wing for the last 10 minutes of that game. He did. I, I thought the interesting
1: thing in the second half, obviously Spurs had an awful lot of possession and and United were happy to sort of drop a little bit deeper, which is, um, if you look at the uh, passive per defensive action, there's a real peak in the second half. It's over 20. So Spurs playing an awful lot in front of United. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, I think speaks to sort of Solcho's tactical flexibility. He I didn't get the sense that United were panicking. Um, I, I did wonder whether he was going to make a substitution a bit earlier, <laughs> perhaps bring another body yeah. on in midfield. Uh, but he didn't. He didn't seem panicked by what was happening. He took his time and then uh, brought Lukaku on for Martial, who didn't have a great game. Didn't have a bad game either, you know. And uh, he played his role uh, pretty well. Um, but he did that so he could play a little bit more direct, and, and I thought United did that pretty well and it's an it's interesting yeah. facet, there's no dogma here United will you know, play good football, they'll play PC football and they'll play direct football if needed too.
0: Yeah absolutely I mean then just just like I said earlier the, the feel good factor, seeing all the videos of the fans, I've immediately started trying to get a ticket for uh, Saturday when I realised it was a 3 o'clock kickoff off um, because uh, just seeing it I was just just desperate to go now, like desperate to go and be a be a part of part of the crowd and part of the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff. Haven't haven't got a ticket though, so uh, Paul at UnitedRant.co.uk, you know, if you can uh, hook me up, listeners. Um, not on Twitter anymore, you see. Ah, so. uh, yeah. Can't so, so how thing. do you
1: spell that again? E D I T O R at United. <laughs> 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 yeah, if you have got no, two no. tickets, I, let I, us know. I, I can't go on Saturday. But uh I, I hope you find the <laughs> ticket. I'm sure there will
0: be some available and uh, um enjoy it. Yeah, that'd be that'd be amazing. And if that's not possible, I'm sure it'll be possible between now and the end of the season, but just wanting to go just wanting to go feels good. Like you were saying, like being nervous about the result just felt amazing. Like you know, um f- football is silly. It, it, it's it you're choosing to emotionally invest in football it's not something you have to emotionally invest in it's uh it would be quite low down on Maslow's hierarchy of needs in terms of what's actually meaningful and important about the human experience but Togetherness, shared experiences, um, joy, abandon, freedom, release. All of these things are meaningful and they're what football is for. And when you don't have any of those, then football just becomes this kind of like, okay, yeah, you can appreciate it technically or whatever, but if, it, it's very dry and and almost sad. So it, it's one of those things where you almost don't realise how much you're missing something until it's back. And then you're like, oh yeah, this... This is really, really different. It's really different. Anything else to say about the game? No. We've got loads of stuff to talk about before we get to Twitter questions, though. We wrote a list. have got a, an agenda, a news agenda. Well, uh, we know you've got an I agenda, keep... Paul. <laughs> I've got so many. I've lost, I've lost track of all my agendas. They're, I'm fine now. The only one left is Antonio Valencia. That's it. Well, he's, he's the the one. story this week that he's, he's on the verge of joining Inter Milan in the summer. I mean, that would be wonderful. Um, I would wish him well. Imagine if he, like, really quickly learns Italian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Ben speaks a word of English in 15 years in the country. Exactly. Um, I was so pleased that um, Solskjaer didn't pick Valencia, even though he was fit. Uh, That was was a lovely moment uh, again. Anyway, um, I wanted to talk about this a couple of weeks ago and forgot, but somehow, hardly anything's been made of this, but like the second week or something, or maybe the third week, I think it was the second week, they had Alex Ferguson in for training. The brilliant thing about this is there's been absolutely almost no PR about it. There was one article in the mail, which was obviously like a briefing, and then Mike Phelan referred to it in an interview that he did on the official United app, I suppose maybe it was on MUTV or whatever as well. Um, Ferguson was just in training, not for PR or to keep the buzz and the feel-good factor going, but just so you could have Alex Ferguson in training. And, like, I don't know, that felt really significant and special to me that that had Mm. happened. Giuseppe Rossi used with the squad training as well. Perhaps we're (laughs) fully going back to the foggy days. (laughs) Um, the, The thing that it made me think of is something that you said a lot around the end of the Moyes era, which is that, Having people who have a relationship with the club isn't just about emotion. Not that that should even necessarily be discounted as a good reason to do it, but institutional knowledge is a really significant part of any organisation. And if you've got an institution without institutional knowledge, you're really missing a trick. And the the level of institutional knowledge has gone through the roof in the last few weeks. Yeah, you know, that's right. Um, And... and there's
1: been some continuity from the previous regime because Carrick and McKenna are there, both promoted, mm-hmm. and the goalkeeping coach, and the goalkeeping coach um, whose name I've completely forgotten. And and you remember? I don't think I ever knew it. No, <laughs> no, no. no, no. Uh, and uh, it'll come to me. Uh, and and obviously, Ollie's done the uh, very sensible thing and brought feeling back. I mean, you know, he's he's often derided as tight shorts putting the cones out, but you know, there's. By you, mostly. By me, mostly. But no, there's, there's more to him. I mean, look, obviously, he never made it as a manager feeling. After leaving United, uh, I think his biggest gig, well, he had six months at Hull and a spell at Norwich that went wrong and ended up as director of football and an A-league side. So it says something about his limitations. Uh, but, you know, years and years at United as a
0: player and as a coach and under Fergie, you know, that's invaluable. Yeah, and just because you're not a good manager doesn't mean you're not an amazing assistant manager... And also just because you don't do a good job at Hull or Norwich doesn't mean, I mean, this is the Cardiff thing. Like, I, I feel bad when Oli Solskjaer's Cardiff spell gets mentioned because when he took the job, everyone was saying it's a win-win for him because the owner's so crazy and the situation's so untenable that no one's going to, like, remember if he flops, whereas actually it's all anyone talks about. So, you know, anyway, um, I feel a bit similarly about Mike feeling that hole. Um Patrice Evra. Very nice video uh, he put out. Lovely video. Now, I had a question for you about that. Actually, you quote tweeted that video because I do. I do browse your luck, tweets. I, I think the word is lurk. Yeah, that's right. No, browse your tweets. That's different. Um, I, you quote tweeted that video and said a few of the United players could do with watching this on repeat. Who did you? Who did you have in mind? Who do you think at United doesn't get the club in that way and doesn't appreciate what they've got? <laughs> Uh, going or soonest here, should I? No, no, I, I don't know if I had any
1: particular players in mind, but and um, I don't want to sound like I'm one of the Mourinho cultists because clearly, uh, yeah, clearly, I think that's clearly happen. I'm not, but you know, I'm going to echo um, a thread that um, has been said by that group, which is some of the players uh, didn't, um, you know, to some extent were not giving everything, and that's. Like, there's a lot of things in that, right? They weren't performing to their optimal level. And I think my argument would be they were not performing to their optimal level because they weren't very happy and didn't believe in the manager. Um, and there's a lot of that. But there's also, you know, the kind of professional pride thing, I think, towards the end dipped, clearly, you know. and um, uh, Some of them played so badly in some games that you'd have to try hard to play that badly. Um, and, and Ollie's fixed a lot of that just through confidence, you know, and it... it and some tactics, but and liberation of the team, but a lot of confidence. So I, I think what I meant was, you know, some of them forgot some of that professional pride. I don't subscribe to the the belief that uh, everything that was wrong under the Mourinho was all about the players, uh, and if only the players had been replaced, it'd all been great, and United would be at the top again, uh, which was basically the default Castles view
0: castles straight cultists um uh i mean there is no there is no delineation between those two things <laughs> the only the only difference is that castles is literally being paid to do it uh, i mean by by which i mean his job is to write about football yes. just to be clear there's no uh, well, absolutely, yeah Absolutely nothing libelous about what a slander is well, about what I just I said. It wouldn't be slander if he was being paid. He's, a, he's allowed to get paid. <laughs> uh, no, he's allowed to get paid, but I'm not allowed to say that the reason he's writing his opinions is because he's been paid off by certain powers to say those things.
1: It's it's not the BBC. doesn't have to be neutral. Uh,
0: anyway, so, you know, I, no, I, I don't know why that was clear there, be, but, you know... It, I, it has to be factual. You can't You can't just... You can't just say you can't just accuse people of stuff where you've got no basis for it except a hunch. Uh well, for it to be libel, well, you know, we're broadcast here, slander. so it would be
1: slander, but it, it it has to uh you know, in 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 the uh mind of uh what well, how's the wording right thinking or right-minded, sensible minded, something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh the reputation of the person has to be diminished. So I don't know. Would some would Castle's reputation be diminished if uh people thought that he was being paid off by Jorge Mendes because you said it on a podcast?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I'm not a lawyer. But Anyway, I didn't say it on a podcast. would rather said, like it. Think... I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all that being said, um, yeah, I, I I, just I thought it was an interesting take on it because I think what we've seen really is that the players blooming love being man united players like they absolutely love it and just give them give them a chance to express themselves and give them a chance to kind of um you know really be man united players and they're going to be the happiest bunch of players in the world um so yeah uh that's that that's kind of what i thought about that but the video was absolutely beautiful the next thing I wanted to talk about was um, producer Tom shared with us this thing from Football 365, which is just a list. It's called The Ridiculous Stats um, about, I can't remember exactly, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Man United, The Ridiculous Stats, that's what it's called, on Football 365. I've just picked out a couple. It's a list of, I think, 19. 21. Um, number 21, right, Go okay. Read Manchester... below the advert. There's two more. Oh. <laughs> Manchester United scored 5-3, 4-2 and 2 goals respectively in Ole Solskjaer's first five games in charge. It was the first time United had scored at least two goals in five consecutive games in all competitions since April 2008. That is a mind-blowing statistic, that is. I mean, partly it's a quirk of the fixture calendar, but you would think that at some point in the last eleven years there'd been a similar quirk of runs of easy-ish uh, opposition yeah mind blown. And the second one that I thought was just so telling, Man United led for 397 of a possible 1,530 Premier League minutes under Mourinho this season, 25.9%. They have done so for 306 of a possible 450 Premier League minutes under Solskjaer this season. 60, we've been in the lead, 68% of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's league tenure so far.
1: Bunkers. Yeah, great article there, and uh, of course, much of it ramming home the uh, same point over and over again. You know, it was bad,
0: now it's good. It is now good, yeah. It's just so stark when you see the numbers. The numbers are, they're just really, really jarringly stark. Like I picked those, and I could have picked three or four more that were similarly stark. And talking of stark, a, a person that we on this show have uh, praised to the hilt, and me in particular, I think I had him at number one when we did bonus content on ex United players as pundits. What is. Rio Ferdinand doing, it's genuinely disgraceful. It's devoid of fact. It's almost like he's decided he's just going to be a shock jock about this one thing. He was challenged on his relationship with Sports Director. So if you're not in England and somehow have, not, have missed this, um, Rio Ferdinand has been ferociously defending Mike Ashley's Ownership of Newcastle United, which is, as someone who cares about football on any level, which Rio obviously does, disgraceful. It's disgraceful behaviour.
1: Uh, yeah, um, and he's been called out for it widely. And he he praised uh, Mike Ashley's ownership. Said he'd put fifty million pounds into the club. Said he has said not. That uh, well, I'll get I'll get to that one. Um, he hasn't, <laughs> but um, there are mm. some caveats. Um, he said that they should be thanking Mike Ashley for bringing Rafa Benitez in. Um, although, I mean, you know, European Cup winning manager uh, at a club like Newcastle, I suppose you could make a case for it. Um, but but it, it appears to have been motivated. I mean, cause, because he could have just sat on the fence, you know, couldn't he? It uh, appears to have been motivated by money. Um, and everyone's allowed to make money I suppose uh, but if you're a pundit perhaps you ought to disclose that and, and it was called out um,
0: On the, the I mean he denied it he said it's got nothing
1: to do with yeah, that or maybe m- is... well maybe fine you know if, if that's the case and you just believe something which is just wrong um, on the season I mean there was a season when Newcastle got relegated and Mike Ashley put uh, 30 loaned the club 33 million pounds of his own money he was also paid back 18 million pounds uh, from a previous loan so Net of fifteen, somewhat different than fifty. Um, maybe Rio got his fives the wrong way round, or something like that. Uh, but yeah, pretty pretty odd punditry. Pretty odd punditry. And and he's normally you know pretty good bet for good sound
0: analysis, isn't he? He called Newcastle a yo-yo club, who've been in the Premier League twenty-three out of twenty-five seasons. Um, he he said on Twitter. Um, your club's turning a profit, no debt. Owen oh, playing in the Premier League, and as Alan Shearer quoted, the last club accounts tell you they're over 140 million in debt. Like it's it's really really because because football isn't that mostly to
1: Ashley. I think it is.
0: Um, but that's it's still. I dead. mean, yeah, you know, yeah, you got 150 million of debt. on the... I mean, obviously, like, listen, as. We could as a you could tell us better than anything it's not necessarily bad to have one hundred and fifty million pounds of debt on the books. It can be really useful, but anyway the the point being he's just factually inaccurate about a rant which is kind of philosophically wildly inaccurate and it's the same kind of thing that happens whenever United players talk about the glazer ownership. Carrick praised the glazer ownership in his book, you know excellent owners and all this kind of stuff it's like when when they're suiting your needs they're excellent owners but sure. there's there is a broader point you know i was listening to second captains and they had this american guy on who wrote for the wall street journal i think and he's written a book about the emergence of the premier league as this financial powerhouse and he was sort of saying there's this old style of ownership in britain that was kind of like the, that saw their job as to be custodians and he was almost saying that as a bad thing yeah <laughs> and, yeah yeah i mean you it, know, of
1: course it just doesn't ownership of that nature doesn't exist in the us you know they they the owners are there to make money and the leagues are set up to allow owners to make money in fact you know they have provisions um in in some of the league structures that specifically lock up money that the owners can take out um uh over and above the the wage cap so yeah that kind of ownership um i mean i, I guess it's uh, a thing of the past Now, but but think about where football came from, and and perhaps someone coming from the Wall Street Journal, an American journalist, wouldn't understand the you know 150 year history of football in the UK. Uh, But it's really only in the last 20 years that owners have started buying up um, clubs to make a profit. Most clubs in in uh, England were formed out of societies of some kind, you know, working men's societies, schools, churches, um, uh, social clubs uh ownership didn't really come around for quite some time afterwards. United was only really owned uh when the club was in financial trouble, still as Newton Heath. Um and after that did have families of custodians. Now now I don't want anyone to think that the Edwards family, Louis and then Martin were completely neutral, benevolent dictators, because they weren't because they made a lot of money out of United, they made a lot of money IPOing first time round, they took money out themselves. They weren't com- completely neutral, but you know, they, they weren't there in the kind of American sports franchise type of ownership. Ashley has been completely different from that. He he is there to spin out a profit. And in fact, pro- probably the reason why um, he put money in in the, the season when Newcastle were relegated was to ensure that the price of Newcastle uh, remained high, because it's probably three times as much in the Premier League as it is in the Championship. And he's been trying to sell the club for, for what, you know, more than two years now.
0: Yeah. Um, and talking of people who are displaying staggering ignorance of the facts uh, on the basis of serving some weird agenda, Neil Warnock's a complete what's-it. Um, and, and to hell with the rest of the world is just the, the best example of literally everything that's wrong with literally everything.
1: Yes, Warnock on his Brexit rant. Um Probably yeah. the I mean, least it's, it's, surprising ever... proponent of yeah. Brexit. I mean, like, if Sam
0: Allardyce came out with that view, I,
1: I wouldn't be surprised either.
0: I, I would. Like, Sam Allardyce bought Fernando Huyero and JJ Ococha, and, you know, he's a cultured man in the world, Sam Allardyce. Mm, we'll see. Uh, Warnock, uh,
1: his club is, uh, is owned by uh, a Malaysian businessman. Uh, he has 10 different nationalities, Um, in his squad but uh, of course you know post Brexit he'll be kicking them all out and going good old British players
0: to hell with the rest of the world to hell with the rest of the world like I mean imagine thinking that and saying it out loud in a public forum and like being like it's a good thing and imagine hearing that and going yeah I agree what's wrong with these idiots anyway um, that's the question for another by time. By the way, I mean, Bre-
1: not not to sort of, you know, shame Warnock here, although maybe we should, I think he's had some plastic surgery. His face is looking
0: f- weird. I mean, it's like it has been I mean, stretched across his face as well as being a dumb f*** Brexiter. Do you think that he just, like, is trying to look as much like... Tony Soprano's mum as he possibly can because <laughs> he, d- he does already and he's like getting the work done to make it look even more listen if he wants to get work done that's fine I'm not sure he has I think it might just be he's got old man outside too much face um, outside in the cold too much but well, he probably likes the cold because warm warm countries for weak foreigners <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. re- really odd um,
1: uh, uh, we, we put a few other things uh, Bre- Brexit's uh, Gary Neville British
0: jobs, so British managers. Uh, he, he hasn't actually said anything about Brexit, has he, Neville? Not that, Not. I'm sure he's. An, I'm sure that he is anti-Brexit from a fully neoliberal perspective. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know, the EU
1: is a neoliberal conspiracy to defraud the working man of uh, his rightful ownership of the means of production. So says Jeremy Corbyn, Inc. <laughs>
0: Listen, anyway, let's let's. Me not. Uh, <laughs>
1: let's
0: not have this conversation. <laughs> I think I, I wanted to mention Neville because
1: it's interesting, the kind of change in tone, because he was so on board the Mourinho train. Uh, he wanted Pogba to do one. Uh, he was amongst the cult, wasn't he? Uh, and, and what did he say yesterday? He said, you know, United have found an identity again. This is the best we've seen. Most I've been enjoying United for years. Hmm.
0: Change that up a little bit, Gaz. It's so odd, isn't it? He's, he's, I don't know, he's a strange man, Gary Neville. I'd love to spend, like, I don't know, six weeks, like... On holiday somewhere, where Gary Neville's also on holiday, so you periodically have conversations. You're not around him all the time, because I think that would get that'd be a lot. He <laughs> can get away, but you just bump into him every now and again, and he's up for a chat, and you kind of... Like, what, what, what did you really mean when you said this, Gaz? <laughs> like, I think that would yeah. be good. Anyway, i ban- 175 he's still-
1: to 1 to become the next United manager. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy some of that. Warnock's 300 uh, honest- to 1. Maybe
0: worth a punt. Honestly... If they give the job... To Pochettino, I'll be okay. I mean, I'll be happy. It's going to be... That'll be fascinating to watch and see play out. If they give the job to someone else that isn't Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I'm going to be sitting being, like, arms crossed, like, pouty face. like You're not my real dad. <laughs> Back to Moy's territory here. It'll be uh, It's going to be this podcast... Talk about agenda. This podcast is going to be disgraceful if they give the job to someone that isn't Pochettino or Solskjaer. God. Lauren Blanc, it is then. Did <laughs> um, we got any Twitter questions? I know we've been doing the show for an hour, so we'll just probably do a couple. We have uh, about eighty. So okay, well let's. Are, we, are you up for doing a bit of a like a proper? Slog over these. I'll tell you what, let's do the Brighton preview now. We're playing Brighton. We're going to absolutely batter them.
1: Obviously. Uh, Brighton doing all right, though. You know, they're, they're a few points clear of the rele- relegation zone. They've got some good players. They, good on them. They put up um, a very credible per- creditable performance against Liverpool the other day. I was Liverpool pretty lucky, to be honest, to get away with a win there. Um they uh, nice little ground. Oh no way this is Old
0: Trafford, isn't it? It's yeah, Old Trafford. Yeah. We got be- we got beat by them in one of the Nadir moments of the season. That's right. Um Yeah, look, they're a good club, uh,
1: with a decent squad. They won't get relegated this season. Uh it's you know, it's a great story because they were they were on their knees without a ground for years and years and years. So um that said we're gonna absolutely f- Smash them because it's Ollie's United. <laughs> Come on! There's my analysis.
0: Um, They've they not been turned too, too clever on the road, um, although they did beat Bournemouth in the FA Cup on the road. Yeah, um, I mean, goal scoring is a
1: struggle for them. Obviously, Glen Murray's got a few this season, but uh, not too many other goals around the um, around, around the squad.
0: Uh, that all yeah. uh, just just scrolling back through their fixtures to see any notable results. I saw three two Brighton. I was like, oh, that's interesting. That was the one. <laughs> that was the game against us. And it was only 3-2 because we scored a 90 plus 5 They had a draw against
1: Arsenal over the Christmas period. They narrowly lost to Chelsea, narrowly lost to Liverpool. You know, they... Um, decent side. Decent
0: side. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, we... we... This is, this is, I mean, they're not that far below us in the league, um, but anyway, the, this is now, we are, we're now equal on points with Arsenal. I know, I mean, this is amazing, really.
1: United have the I worst start, start for off. 30 years or something, Arsenal went 22
0: games unbeaten. <laughs> How does this all add up again? I don't understand it, but yeah, we've conceded the same number of goals as them. They've just scored two more than us. Which that that number's getting overturned between now and the end of the season, isn't it? At this rate, we'll you know. All right, um, let's do some questions. All right, let's do it. Sam Millet, Millet
1: Sam on Twitter says, "Can you two stop bleating about politics and talk football?"
0: Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, how bad? Sorry, Sam. Oh, I think. Oh, no, I could be wrong. I'm not going to say anything. Stop talking politics and just dribble. Honestly, like, people who... Uh, anyway, nothing. Courtney Appaleco says, does Rashford have a good enough chant? Does he? Rashford has an amazing chant of his own to the tune of Teenage Kicks. <laughs> That's true. Right, which is cool as... And then he's got a cameo in the greatest chant of the last five years. Like, what What do people want? He's got amazing, amazing, an amazing chant of his own and a brilliant cameo. Consider yourself corrected, Courtney. And and also the answer to Sam's question is absolutely not. <laughs> if you don't like it, you have multiple options for entertainment <laughs> yeah. elsewhere. Um, question from the real Kent C1.
1: Which is an interesting one, really, uh, given given uh, how much of a bump Ollie has uh, given many of the squad. Is Oli just as confused as the rest of us while trying to figure out what Fred is good at? Why isn't he playing? I mean, Ollie, Ollie's worked out his best 11 very, very quickly and made some bold choices around that. And he's not made, a, apart from the Reading game, a huge amount of changes between the games, a few around Christmas and stuff. But it's a pretty narrow uh, group of players he's used, isn't it? You think
0: Fred Fred's yeah. got a chance with Ollie now or not? I th- I think it's not entirely impossible that Fred will play against Brighton, for example. I think I think I think Fred needs. I mean, I, it's going to be interesting to see whether this is like rough first season and he grows into it, or ah, this was not a good idea at, at all. Um, I think it's what it's one of those or the other. I was saying to friend of the show, Cal Gildart, like Europa League man of the match in the Europa League final against for Sevilla or something in a few years' time. I think he's got something. Can he, I think he'd be a great La Liga player and we'll see if he can be a Prempire. Hmm. Brexit means Brexit. <laughs> Eric Leon
1: says, uh, was this the first game you can remember wishing Flaney would come on to help seal the points? No. No.
0: no. <laughs> even, I, this is the first time I've thought about Marrow and Fellaini in the last 48 hours. I've Genuinely forgot he existed and it's upset me. No, it's interesting. I mean,
1: Oli clearly wants to play with pace, whether that's pace with the ball. And he, as I said, he's prepared to go direct a little bit or pace of movement, which was very much to the fore against Spurs. And, and Fellaini doesn't offer that.
0: So, no,
1: Neither I, does Matic, I, but that's another, another one.
0: For, I think bringing Fellaini on when you need a goal in the last 10 minutes is great. Bringing Fellaini on to shore things up gives you, like when he came on against Everton and gave away a penalty and within five seconds of coming on. Football
1: Nuggets at Mere Opinions. I, I never really understood this thing on Twitter where you'll have one name, which isn't your name, and a different handle. Surely that's confusing. It's confusing me
0: just Yeah, well, one of them you can change up all the time, innit? And the other one is—is is Paul happy now? Uh, happy enough now to come back to this platform? Uh, I'm, I am extremely happy, and for that reason, I shall continue to be happy there are, there and not are a be few on Twitter. In that vein. You know, United yeah. Twitter isn't nearly <laughs> as toxic, toxic as it once was. <laughs> the thing is, like the idea that I wasn't on Twitter because I didn't like Jose Mourinho. I don't like Twitter. <laughs> That's not the same thing. <laughs> Yeah,
1: fair, fair enough. Uh, plenty of questions about the the manager. Anonymous United says I'll leave her permanent or not. Discuss. We've got. Yes, Kritika, I Bank, think we we. sorry to completely butcher your name there. Ali Potchizuzu, which is the one.
0: Ali Solskjaer. Yeah, I I noted for... the
1: um odds of the uh, the various managerial choices. So basically, as a top 10 we have um ollie poch zidane southgate allegro simio conte blank and Eddie Howe as the leading contenders contenders in terms of the odds southgate mentioned in the press this week um it's a really odd one i mean you know it's basically putting a putting a like a trainee in charge of the team i mean He's done a decent job turning England around and this.
0: He's done an amazing, amazing job, job turning England, England
1: around <laughs> and the summer was great and all of that, but he has never managed a club side.
0: Well, apart from when he managed middle yeah. three yeah, years yeah. or four Sorry. or five years, even. At the top level, I should add. Yeah. And, and I mean, mostly, why would you have Southgate when you've got the Man United equivalent of what Southgate's done for England only? Almost certainly a better tactician. Yeah. I mean it's
1: such a weird bunch and, and obviously this is not reflective of this is reflective of the bookies, not of uh, Edward Wood's thinking, because clearly Edward Wood is going to make a you know sound strategic choice after assessing all the options and not jump into the first shiny thing he sees, obviously. Um uh, you know, Ollie and Poch, you could both say attacking managers, Zidane very attacking at Real Madrid, but that's the only job he's ever had, Southgate. We don't know what he is really you know, in terms of a big club side. Uh, Allegri, I mean, fantastic job at Juventus. They're battering everybody, and uh, you know, but like the football, the, yeah. Is the football going to be good? Yeah, uh, Simeone. I mean, you know, he, he's he he's <sighs> in the Mourinho camp of reactive managers, as is Blanc. I would say, as is Conte. I'd say oh, that's probably unfair. I mean, on him, uh, Eddie Howe, he's never ever ever yeah. going to get the job. Um, so it's an interesting bunch, that one. Um,
0: yeah, uh, the the thing about it is that there's such a kind of, there's such a, a bizarre collection, but you're kind of, kind of wondering, is there a conversation beyond Solskjaer or Pochettino? So currently, the, one of the interesting things about this is, is like, what are the prices? Because those are the top 10, but... Zidane is seven to one, so that means like, if this if they pick eight managers once out of eight times, it will be Zinedine Zidane, Um, and everyone else is further out than that. So like, you talk about the model, but yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it both. I mean, this both is isn't a probabilistic. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly, Um, exactly, and and they're trying to make a market as well. Yeah. but but Solsha six to four and Pochettino's two to one, and and I am sure if you'd looked at what the next permanent manager odds for Solskjaer were six weeks ago, they'd have been astronomical. Course, so yeah. like things have changed massively, haven't they? But I, I mean, I at the moment, as of right now, I definitely, definitely want our next permanent manager to be on the kind of Solsha. But a, a large part of that is because I want it to end up being the right thing yeah, yeah. for that to I be. I wonder if you'll feel yeah.
1: that way when United lose the next five
0: on the bounce. Um, Richard Crab says so the title's back
1: on now Uh, genuinely unsure how to deal with being excited about United again advice appreciated yeah just enjoy it I'd say yeah absolutely
0: there there will be months right
1: I'm sure of it United actually look look at the fixture list over the next couple of months lots and lots of winnable games uh, plus games against City
0: Arsenal Liverpool and Paris Saint-Germain twice did you say Arsenal and not call that a winnable game (laughs) yeah Honestly, that's, that's a trivial, a trivial walk in the park at the moment against those cowardly giants. <laughs> yeah, Richard Savile says, "Is it me or is the director
1: of football talk um, uh, a bit like when?" Arsenal used to leak stories about their supposed transfer war chest every time season tickets were due <laughs> for a new
0: It's so, much, so <laughs> well, much. He won't appoint a director
1: of football at all, will he? Well, yeah, it's interesting. It is uh, Turkey's voting, voting for Christmas. I mean, he th- likes to think he's that, uh, that player. I mean, the, the briefings that are out about um, who United is supposedly interested in when we didn't have a manager was interesting, isn't it? You know, um, I mean, it's it's... Like, I don't want to burst the bubble because we're all enjoying football again at the moment. But we know United is going to f up in the transfer market in the summer because there just is no long term strategy here.
0: Do we? We do. Like, we do. Have we, have we, if, if we'd got our managerial appointments closer to right in the last five years, I think people would have a very different take on the transfer policy. I mean, it, it's definitely been scattershot but a lot of that is because is because of the managerial turnover and the kind of like the managerial appointments are almost more damning of the lack of direction of the club than the the actual player purchases because the player purchases have not been that bad like i'd love to take a kind of global average of percentage of success of football transfers well, who's been a success kind of post Fergie R- who's been a success at united player transfers uh, no, but I'm I'm sort of saying a lot of the problem with... Like, Angel de Maria is a brilliant example, right? Angel de Maria, you could say, was an utter failure of a transfer, but that, it wasn't buying Angel de Maria that was the problem. It was sort of everything else, you know? Um, yeah, no, I, I that's right. I mean, it's, it's... Look, coming back to that discussion about um, uh, the Patrice
1: Evra video and, and me saying, look, I don't want to believe that it's all the managers. I think, I think uh, all the players... The clearly structural issues at United over the last five years um, have picked in Van Gaal, Moyes and Mourinho, three completely different managers, so there's clearly no plan. Um, and within no plan, very good players are apt to fail, so much greater chance. But but even so, you know, there's been some absolute duds as well. I mean, spending the money on Sanchez and Matic, ageing players on the way down, huge money, doesn't make any sense at all. Um, it, it's it just just doesn't. Fred, I've no idea why United spent fifty million in the summer. Um, Mourinho didn't either.
0: Yeah, that's a proper weird Probably one. Weird
1: one. I, like Lindelof is now looking like a good buy, isn't he? Um, which, yeah, it's hard to say whether buy he was or not. I don't know. I mean, he's got it. Yeah, he's, of, course, he's got, of course he was. Of course he I'd love him like, to come just, good. I'd love him to come uh, good. You know, I really listen, enjoy watching
0: him. Anyway. Comedy is important in life. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Luke Shaw.
1: I mean, you know, there's question marks about him, and I think it's fair to have question marks about him.
0: Yeah, but that's only because he. I mean, like if he hadn't broken his leg. Yeah. So anyway, you know. lots of questions. Uh,
1: yeah. Dipak Dipak Siani on Twitter says: Mourinho fans suggesting United's performance is no different from how he would have set them up and got them to play." Disgust <laughs> the near- <laughs>
0: Oh God! The world's gone to absolute heck in a handball. Oh sure, like, look, look hey at the put- last
1: fifteen minutes of that game when United <laughs> were kind of hanging on, uh, went pretty pretty deep, um, and seemed to have run out of any kind of gas and, and weren't able to get forward. That's how the whole ninety minutes would have been.
0: Honestly, like what's absolutely what is wrong with people. Like, facts are no longer interesting or relevant to people, are they? It just, it just uh, Literally, whatever my pre-existing opinion is, that's what I'm going to base my interpretation of all events on. Like, we all do that somewhat, no, but my uh,
1: goodness. Uh, to, to our friend who asked us not to talk about politics, sorry, I, I just have to. <laughs> this The Mourinho cultists are like Donald Trump this week saying, uh, I never said that Mexico would pay for the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Still on his website Paragraph one of his manifesto is Mexico
0: will pay for the wall Yeah, so you know um, Mexico will not will pay for the wall And that game against Spurs would have been the same And felt the same under Jose Mourinho Yeah uh... it's, Honestly, it's mad These people Like Did they not I mean, It's got to be tough It's got to be tough to have a worldview that's based on United without Mourinho is the same as with when we've scored a hundred million goals and conceded three, <laughs> in six games, all of which we've won, with everyone being happy. Ah, <laughs> anyway. oh,
1: dear, uh, that question from D Castles at <laughs> Johnny Burger. Any relation to Patrick? Don't know. Uh, uh, how sure. realistic is a top four friend- finish friend- this friend-
0: season? Friend- Friend of the show, though, for sure. Johnny is. That's a name I recognise. Um, top four. Uh, how top realistic four. is a top, top... Six, six I mean, points what? off
1: Chelsea.
0: Yeah, we've got to play them. So that's three points off Chelsea, because, well, obviously, WWW, WWW, It's the only letter in Ole O, G, S, and W. That's it. Have we got to play them? We might have played them twice already, you know. Uh, Yeah, I think we have actually played them twice already. That's unfortunate. That is unfortunate because otherwise we definitely would have taken those. But I have no idea how realistic top four is because it's not in our own hands. I mean, is it realistic that we are going to mount a, we're going to get a serious number of points between now and the end of the season? It sure looks like it, doesn't it? Um, Because this isn't just a brief lift in mood and a few better results. This is a new way of playing and a bunch of players who are super bought into it. Yeah, and United
1: will get a lot of wins i'm sure yeah. it's it's very much possible very much not definite very much possible
0: and and you know uh, so much of that is going to depend on how sarri's chelsea kind of recover from the sort of like half wobble they've been in because they started the season real well didn't they and it's it's only been really the last couple of months that things have been a bit dry for them I, I don't think Spurs are going to crumble by any means and neither Liverpool nor City I think there's, there's like a close to 0% chance that either of them are going to be sucked into it so really it is yeah there's probably just, just one place Chelsea yeah. uh,
1: and so you know it's a big ask uh, and Chelsea have got a head start with what 15 games to go or so but it's possible; it's not impossible at all. Didn't Pochettino flat out refuse to work with the director of football at Spurs? Asked Richard Pryor. Can't see us getting on and convincing him to be Ollie's assistant as well as working under a director. <laughs> uh, well, no, not quite. I mean, Spurs have a you know a, a pretty good scouting network, uh, and obviously, um, obviously, the uh, managing director there has been at this game of wheeling and dealing for some years. So they work, they do work with a different system. Um but it's it's not about Pochettino. He he would work with the director of football at any elite club around Europe if he wants to do that.
0: Yeah. But you know, it is gonna be I, to be honest, I'm not sacking Mike Phelan from Rutti Pochettino, no way. Someone's gotta put the cones out. Go on Poch. MP, they've got they've got the uh, the same initials so they don't have to get new tracksuits, no, that's still. true, saving money. Yeah, if
1: you're in the same vein here uh is Ollie the greatest of uh, all time in any sport ever in which game week will we be crowned champions 20 or 30 year contract for Ollie <laughs> <laughs> the man united's third best ever manager <laughs> that's right if bielsa becomes the next united manager will ed make himself available for spying
0: is that ed woodward or <laughs> me no that's you that's a long time Rankcast listeners will remember the running gag about how your job was an international man that's of mystery true. that spy story was hilarious and i really like the fact that bielsa's just like yeah of course i did what's wrong with you why wouldn't i <laughs> I mean to be honest I
1: thought this was common practice to send guys in trench coats to look at the opposition. Yeah. Um should Ollie be back now with some signings asked United potential?
0: No. I I mean no. Not not in January. I I, th- I think we have to we have to have much more certainty. But I mean if they decide that, yeah, that he's their man. But there's no way they should be deciding that. I'm su- we're all super excited. I'm definitely overexcited. I, you know, but there's no way. Hmm. Full-time devils. I've, uh, I've heard of those guys. Uh, can we get another pun prediction after Bakuna on Matter almost came off? <laughs> it was so close. But it has happened in the past. Bakuna has fouled Matter to give away a penalty, creating one of the most perfect moments in human history. Um, uh uh, mm, these are, this is not one that you can come up with on the spot, you know. This is this is tricky. Uh, Brighton, no, it's not happening. Well, have a think about it. And uh, if it, if... we wish you, we wish you a Murray Christmas just a couple Ooh. of weeks late. No, no, no. no it's no good. Uh,
1: drop it into the Rankast WhatsApp group, ask to get on Twitter and take credit. <laughs> okay. Fine, that's fine. That's
0: what I'm here uh, for. I
1: missed about 50 questions off there, but uh, we do have to end this show at some point. Uh, thanks, everyone. I, I think uh, I, I'm going to take a look at the Rankast uh, numbers. Uh, I bet we've doubled in listenership <laughs> in the last three weeks <laughs> uh, because uh, it's nothing to do with the quality of the show. It's just the fact that people like listening to podcasts when United are winning.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like a few people have messaged me to say that they, they they'd had enough. And um, we're winning again, which, Paul. We're, are you sick of winning nuts. yet? <laughs> that was a, that was a bit easy. It was a bit of a slam, Lewis dunk. That wasn't it. Um, I don't want to Anthony knock art your effort there, but um, it was a Davy proper Trump reference. Gross, Pascal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, round of applause. Round of applause. Nice, nice, nice button on that one. They've got a backup goalkeeper <laughs> called David Button. <laughs> We're proper funny, that is. Yeah, yeah. I've already oh. done that. You missed
1: that. <laughs> um,
0: anyway, I think, I think... Don't when we start bash me it, for that one. <laughs> I think when we get to this point, it means we've all had enough. So, um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Ed, uh, how many goals are going to beat Brighton by? Four. I just want to make it clear, by the way, this is not hubris. Uh, if something goes disastrously wrong, that could happen, but I'm, it's, it's excitement, right? That's what it is. Uh, I think we're going to win this game by three goals to one. What do you think we're going to win this game by? Four. Four nil FC. Four, four, four nil... <laughs> yeah, four nil FC, lovely. All right, um, and on that happy memory of a of, uh, brief but weird period in our history... Um, Ollie's at the wheel. Ladies and gentlemen, please tell me how good
1: does it feel? (laughs) Pretty good. Good enough to go into iTunes and leave us a
0: review because it helps others find the show. Lovely. Thank (laughs) you. Yeah, please, please do. Um, And otherwise, we will see you next week. Bye now. Great memories at Wembley. More of that later. Um, All right. Well, listen... I am um, both of my options. My first choice option and my second choice option were from exactly the same season about two months earlier, but only one of them fits the brief. Cause we did say wins, but it's one of the most memorable moments of my football and United loving life, which I've definitely told this story in the podcast before, but I was at university in 1996 and had one small telly, like, you know, kids today don't know they're bored. Like this was a 12 inch TV probably. Um, and uh, it was set up in the kitchen and final score was coming through and United were like desperately trying to claw back the result against Newcastle, the, the the league, the kind of gap to Newcastle. And the final score ticker tape came through and it said QPR one, Man United nil. And I turned to my friend and said, it's fine, Eric will score. And then it pops up, Man United won QPR won, Man United won, brackets Cantona. And I was like jumping around, oh, Eric! So like literally just celebrating a goal that I hadn't. So it's not a very good goal. It's dead scrappy. Um, but this is part of the the run of one nils and that one all um, where Eric scored every goal. And we basically won the league. But the other one, of course, would be St. James's Park in that in that same run, either the game before or after that, where Schmeichel was absolutely immense. Newcastle splattered us in the first half of that game. Schmeichel was incredible. And then Eric scored that kind of half volley, bounced it down.